skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. Exclamation! Activate. <laughs> Getting a little social over there. Form of bongs, and then this is where you say form of bong water, because you know the chick and the Wonder Twins only turned into fucking water shit. Or no, that was the guy. So I'm the chick. Fuck! I fucked myself <laughs> with this joke analogy. And I'll fuck you too. I'm fine being bong water though. You need to take form of shit. She didn't take form of things. She took form of animals. I like. I and like animals you can't be bongs. I Fuck! I'm I'm terrible with this joke. I take form of my own ice bong with bong water inside of it, and I smoke myself. That's the only way I'm gonna be able to do this because he also turns into ice. This is lots of pasta. <laughs> Just, and we are fucking... and we are shooting off like a fucking rocket. Ugh. I was I was told uh, there's a there's a a friend of mine recently just started listening to this and got uh and and has gotten relatively into it and she's so into it that I'm probably gonna have her on the show next week. Oh shit! And um, just a friend first, of my, a oh, friend of mine. Female exactly. First female. That's why I I kind of sold it to her that way. I was like, we don't need your vagina, but we need your vagina, and she was just like, oh yeah, totally. And, and your angelic voice. Yes. Because we all have beautiful, beautiful voices. We do. So <laughs> I was just gonna say. Uh, the 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 girl um, you don't know her the girl I'm going to have on this show mm. kind of sounds like a witch <laughs> and there's something... so her beautiful angelic <laughs> voice I don't see your problem here oh she would take that as a compliment if I didn't cut this part but like if I told her I Which said you're that because she... you're a fucking cunt I'm have we're having our first girl on and I'm just really uh I'm really into it. No, I that's feel like awesome. I, I feel like she doesn't she isn't giving me a lot of expectations but she's giving me a lot of expectations okay. like she acted in high school she tells me she gets drunk all the time we're gonna get drunk we're gonna do a podcast together it's gonna be a good time um if I only I, the only reason I would end up cutting this is if she doesn't actually do this with me next week oh, yeah Her, really she do, she she does have a boyfriend she is just a friend of mine. But I need her vagina. <laughs> the show needs her vagina. So, we do have female listeners. I'm not shitting you. Like we we uh, we talked. To, our, uh, we already did a shout out to Casey on on I think our last episode. Yeah. And um, I was gonna ask if any of them are single, but now I know the answer because there's at least one that is single. I I could think of three. So this is a uh, disco Dracula, and I am <laughs> single. <laughs> Don't have much of a life, but you know I hold myself in a pretty high regard. I have a good paying job. I have a good job. It's not going anywhere. And uh, and uh, I would like to think that I'm I'm a decent six and a half out of ten, maybe a seven. You know, I uh, I sleep during the day. I work a night job. Uh, the night job usually consists of rape and murder of women and sucking of all of their blood. Uh huh. Um, you know that it's not the best. My boss is a dick. But you know, and then I go to the disco afterwards. Yeah. Disco, disco, good, good. 
do 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 oh man so the, the music will be on that long oh yeah it's <laughs> yeah, gonna it's gonna it's be on this entire fucking se- segment yeah oh that's nuts you're the only person that gets away with that i want you to know that melting pot fucking love that place I fucking love melting pot. you guys go there so much more than anyone else i know and it and, and it hurts because i am jealous because i've i fucking like i can afford it don't get me wrong but i just i don't have people to go there with my friends this is, this are all the, street rats this is this is only the second this is the, this is the second time i'm going no in the last like six months though i i, I think it was like last year i went fuck off no, it was during the summer. You're right. It was mm. the summer. Was it the summer? It was it like the spring or summer. It had it's to the have spring been. or summer. It had to have been. So regardless, I've been there like four times in my life, and each time it has been phenomenal. Oh, I fucking love it there. Their chocolate fondue. Uh, their dessert. Just their dessert. That peanut. That peanut. Oh, man. That peanut butter chocolate. That peanut butter chocolate. I just, you know, I just want to drizzle it. I just want to drizzle it all over my, all over my balls. <laughs> And have and have a fucking Vietnamese woman just lick it off. Why why a Vietnamese woman? I would have won for the cheapest. Uh... <laughs> oh shit! Possibly. No, I'm paying for that. I won't be able to find someone to do that. I'd, I'm paying for it. I'm including like the asshole <laughs> in the bundle. Oh, also a rim job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going there. That's what Lost of Pasta La, Pastas is Lost, about. Lots of pasta. Remember the time you wanted to call Shut it the that? F- <sighs> you guys. Remember? I was just explaining today to Terry the Tickler that we make fun of everyone on this show. It's liter- It's and not just everything. It's not just us. We we make fun of a lot of various shit, and it might offend you, which I also talked about with Sir Booberry today. <laughs> uh. He had told me that someone had gotten offended about our episode that was released today, which was episode 12, which was with Sir Blueberry. And uh, I basically said, uh, if we're offending people, then, and they can't tell that we're, we're joking, then we're doing our job. Then we're doing good. Yeah, I, uh, I 100% agree. And I was telling Terry Tickler that I, I, we, we make fun of each other just as I, much I, as we, we. I am French. Oh, yeah, you are. We make fun of Frowns McBoohoo in like every episode, but he doesn't even know because he doesn't listen to episodes that aren't his. (laughs) And that is hilarious, everyone. You are now on the inside of this joke that is just between us. We haven't talked about it yet, but it's something that's become very obvious to me seeing Franz McPoo every week is that he doesn't listen to every week's episodes and he doesn't know how much we talk about him. <laughs> do we talk about him that much? Well, m- me and other people do. Maybe oh, not okay. me and you. Me-, me and you mention him. That's still, like, he's not here. He's not here. And he hasn't been for, like, what's gonna be 13 episodes at this point? And that's that's a long fucking time. It's a long time. But he needs to know that even though he's not here physically, he's here with us spiritually but also physically <laughs> in the balls and anus region and everything in between we have so any- i also want to point out that your phone just vibrated yeah, and i need it- to silence that no it's okay i'm not offended it startled me a little bit because your basement is fucking creepy as shit moving on to your creepy ass basement no Can moving we talk about it no, no no we can't okay it's it's uh it's the it's an enigma 
Time doesn't people exist need to here. imagine we are in like a cement floored Time fucking doesn't exist down here. Hibernation station. Like clocks <laughs> stop it. working. You forget you're wearing a watch. Internet at, goes in and out. Yeah, uh, you look, your 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 phone signal goes in and out. Yeah, like this it, is the fucking twilight zone it's, down it's, here. It's it's creepy. It's generally creepy. I, I sleep remember, here every night. I <laughs> yeah, you do. I remember. And you wonder why I need drugs to sleep. Oh, this got sad now. Um, <laughs> I remember at one point sleeping over at your house, and we were up watching a movie. Don't know what movie it was, but we were all up watching a movie, and I remember just, like, looking at my watch or my phone or whatever and saying, holy shit, it is 4 a.m. When the fuck did this happen? There were times where, like, I would wake up at, like, 7 a.m. and be like, oh, you know, it's only, it's, it's like, 2 in the afternoon. And it's fucking <laughs> not. It is 7 a.m. and everyone gets angry at me when I open up the door and the light comes in. And everyone's passed out, drunk, or or hung over. And they're just like, oh, shut off the light. And I'm just like, you're a fucking yeah. idiot. You yeah. remember that? Yeah. That was a great time. <sighs> and I just sat there with the door open being a douchebag to everyone. Like, oh, look at me. I got the fucking door open. Get your fucking asses up. I'm not hungover like you assholes. Oh, those were the days. Of uh, We were all 21. We weren't 21. Of our pre... Well, actually, that was your like peak of party stage. That was my very beginning of the party stage. My peak was definitely not there. No, it's later. It's much my, later. My but peak, you know what? You were partying definitely Wilkes. My peak is definitely the, Wilkes. The look... The look that he just gave me the look in his eyes. Well, I just had it was like it was like a a, a guy going through his midlife crisis, staring mm. at a fresh motorcycle, mm. like just like mm. bright eyed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, calm down there, calm down there. Stop revving your engine. It's kind of creepy. And also hot. We should digress from this. No, it's just you, you know I just had uh, two Wilkes people on the show. Oh shit episodes uh 19 and 20 look at you moving up in the world well that's where i was last week oh and, that's true um, i didn't know you recorded down there yeah i recorded with my old roommate space cowboy um and then i had my good friend uh gnarly charlie snuck in there who also who also wouldn't mind my shout out by any means he he also runs a podcast about the car scene random shit like politics conversational about video games you know each episode is kind of like a mixed bag but it it works for him because they're good at bullshit shout out to to him over at underground rants uh if anyone would be interested in that okay so this is uh this is lots of pasta and we we need to get into some fucking spooky spaghetti spooky spaghetti Let's and um get spoopy. Here, here with disco dracula dance break what are we starting with so the first story we're going to start off with is the abandoned by disney sequel which is you the make sequel? fun of me the, the way the i say sequel it's sequel sequel i can't i don't like it i don't like it i don't like it though i got it but i don't like it sequel Okay, you say it how you want, buddy. As, as long as you're comfortable saying it. Room Zero. This is called Room Zero. It's from Creepypasta. You, I'm going to start off. <clears throat> room Zero. It's been a while. It's been a while. All right. It's been a while since... <laughs> yeah, like, all right, we're hitting the ground running. It's been a while since I've written anything related to the Disney Corporation, and I'm sure you can understand why. 
This is why you're saying sequels so much. A lot has been going on since my last post. I've received a lot of questions and concerns from folks who read my first-hand account of Mowgli's Palace, a resort that was built and abandoned by Disney. I want to thank everyone who mirrored my post. It's been taken down from a few places, mostly corporate sites that were easily leaned on by a large power. However, for every nuked topic or disappearing blog post, it seems like a hundred more have popped up. This is something they'll have to face. There's no turning back from them. Not for me, either. I'm definitely being followed. For the first month or two, I chalked it up to paranoia. Any casual glance or half-smile in my direction set me off. Hair standing on the back of my neck and everything. The first one, or rather, the first one I was actually able to spot was a telephone worker milling around my apartment complex. He was middle-aged, doughy, dressed just as you expect, but something just seemed off about him. I couldn't place it, but I knew this wasn't just my imagination acting up. He was awkward and out of place, not somebody who was comfortable doing his routine job. I followed him around a corner only to lose him there. When I turned back to go home, there he was, staring directly at me, about ten feet behind me, expressionless and cold. Exploring? He asked. That was all he said, and there was an accusing tone to his voice. Tell me what blue-collar phone jockey does that. I guess that's the worst part. Never feeling safe, never feeling alone. That and the occasional Disney merchandise left somewhere for me to find. Little rubber Mickeys in the mailbox, a Disney Adventures magazine on my bookshelf. They hide little Mickeys everywhere. Three circles, one big, two small, in the silhouette of the most famous mouse head. I've started keeping a running list of Mickeys I've found. Coffee cup rings on my coffee table, one big, two small. Colored glass bottles left on the doorstep. Viewed from the top down, all red. Graffiti on the wall. On my way to work, a huge earth, small sun, and a moon in the proper locations. They're everywhere. He's seeing hidden Mickeys. He's fucking paranoid. <laughs> He's like a number 23 Jim Carrey. When he gets a bad rap, I think it's pretty cool. Oh, I like Jim Carrey. They're everywhere. Oh. People have emailed me about this as well. If you repost anything I have to say, you're going to start finding those son of a bitch outlines. Guarantee it. The best one by far, one that actually made me laugh because of the horror of it all, was a drawing in chalk next to my car. I was taken aback at first, walking through the parking garage, keeping an eye out for people following me. The outline seemed a perfect match for, well, a murder victim you're probably familiar with if you've read my past posts. Written in yellow, paint, I'm sure, was a single word. Retract. The only good thing that has come out of all of this is that I know I'm not the only one who's seen something they shouldn't have. I'm not going to give their names because, well, if I have to tell you why, you haven't been paying attention. Researcher goes to Disney parks wherever he can all throughout the year. He's not going to have fun, enjoy the rides, etc. He's looking for gascots. There's been a long... I don't even know what it... What the fuck? The gascot? Like a mascot that... Part of a lot of the series. Yeah, I was going to say, or it runs off of gas. No, the, the, what happens? Robots. What ha- no. Animatronics. Reptilians. Anyways. Reptilians! Jake From the subterranean. Jake Gyllenhaal is 
a reptilian. Well, well, if I was in a band, I would definitely. The reptilian. That would be the band name. I'm fucking taking it. You guys can't. I was gonna say, or at least have a song called "The Reptilians from the Subterranean." And then we can all wear Jake Gyllenhaal masks. <laughs> yeah, nice. Nightcrawler. Um, but anyways, a gas god is when um, someone wearing the mascot suit farts and farts a ton of times, takes off the suit, gives it to the next person, puts the next person puts on the suit. He is now a gas god. I don't believe you. <laughs> I, I bet you that's what it is. What the, what the fuck? No, because this guy's talking about something grim and weird. There's been a long tradition, apparently, of people reporting strange patrons throughout the park. Silent, motionless, staring patrons of every age, shape, and size. Men and women, adults, children, and teens. All wearing Disney-themed gas masks. That that would make the, ga- the gas gods. Yeah, yeah that, that would make That would make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds creepy. No, Disney-themed ga- gas masks? Are you kidding me? They're fucking adorable. Then again, I thought the ohms from uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind are adorable, so, uh, it's a fucking art. I want one as a better. That also go against everything that movie is saying. But anyways, way back when, Disney would get tons of complaints about oddly dressed folks ro- following others around the park. Folks who would then merge into crowds and disappear. Later on, the gas masks caused fo- folks to draw other conclusions, and reports of possible terrorists and bombers started flowing. All the reports most likely went straight into the trash can. I know I can't find any sign of any occasions reported on by the media. Although you should be aware of the fact that Disney can pretty much control its press like no other. I was talking about this with a couple listeners, uh, uh, what I would consider like last semester. And um, we, we had come to the conclusion that like Disney is like one third of all controlled media. Oh yeah. Oh definitely. They the have their they tentacles own? in everything. Well, plus, don't they own a lot of like TV stations yeah. that, yes. that own the those? news. The news. They own, no, they don't own CNN. They own no, they own sections. Of CNN? Nah, don't know. Of like <laughs> CNN though. Of like, of like Fox and shit. I don't know why CNN is the only news outlet I can think of right now. No, but like Fox and shit. Fox is, is a studio Fox is owned. So do you think WFMC... Fuck, do you think Disney owns WFMC? I don't fucking know, dude. Dude, the answer's no. They're a local fucking TV station. Anyway, I digress. They're all fucking robots anyways. Researcher goes, Researcher goes to the parks talks to a few people and tries not to draw any attention to himself he'll just ask three or four families if they've seen his friend who's wearing a funny mask he has yet to see a gas god himself though on one occasion a child pointed him toward frontier town as he raced through the crowd he heard a single voice ahead cry out mommy i want a goofy air mask too a fellow i'll call lifeguard worked at a disney water park from 2001 through 2003 he stood at the top of a huge water slide and made sure none of the kids got too rowdy. He passed the kids through, one at a time, telling them over and over again to be safe, keep their arms in, and so on. One day, as he tells it, this fat kid goes down the tube and doesn't come out the other end. Oh, it's like my fear when I was a child. I was it's impossible. I was, I was a fat Fucking impossible. But, but I was a really fat kid. Really fat. He sent two or three kids after. The whole thing moves at a steady clip, so naturally you'd expect that if the fatty got stuck, the kids that followed him were stuck too. Not so. 
Only the big kid disappears. Everyone else comes out the other end, cheering and splashing like nothing's wrong. Lifeguard shuts down the slide, much to the aggravation of the kids waiting. Before he can go through any of Disney's strict procedures, SPLASH! Fatty finally comes out. Staff members pulled the kid out of the water. He sank like a stone when he hit, his skin already blue and his eyes wide. All he would say was, no face kids, and stop squeezing. The kid I was think, like, I think what he meant to like sound like there is like, no face kids, and stop squeezing. <laughs> okay, that was good. That was good. Um, yeah, I just imagined like a lot of pudding in my mouth that I didn't want to lose. I was thinking of Augustus Gloop. What did he sound like? But Mother, I wanted the chocolate. <laughs> Sounds like Franz McMoo. The kid was okay, in case you're wondering. He got carted right off the medical right off to the medical center. When lifeguard was told to open the slide back up, he made a big stink about how it clearly wasn't safe. Despite his complaints, he was threatened with firing and begrudgingly opened the slide again. From that point on, he kept a closer eye on the kids. Every so often they'd come out in the wrong order, never as stunned as the fat kid but always with a vague look of concern. A dreamy half-stupor that seemed as if they were trying to figure out what was reality. They take on some water and choke a bit, and they never come back up to ride again. I read his emails with the same sort of unease you might be feeling right now. I wanted him to share his own story, but in the end, he didn't want to expose himself that day. I can't say I blame him. Snow White, which wasn't the actual role she played, was a character in the park. She had a nice little tidbit for me. You know what happens when a costumed employee drops dead in a suit? Like, one second he's taking a picture with little Jimmy, and the next he's had a fatal stroke? A second costume mascot in the area has to sit with the corpse on a curb or bench and wait for, dis- uh, wait for a designated dry cleaner to arrive and cart the body away in a discreet manner. All the while, patrons have no idea they're sitting with a dead body for photo ops. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Feel free to check your photo albums at this point. That was bad, but another fellow, Janitor, went completely off the creepy charts. Disney World, and probably others, is built with a series of underground tunnels just below your feet. Three stories worth. Anything and everything you can imagine is down there for use of the employees. They're called the Utilidors. Utility corridors. Utilidors. Basically, that's the reason you don't see characters out of place or janitors wandering throughout the park. They pop in and out of hidden doors and travel a concealed town you're walking on. Janitor told me something that might be common knowledge, but was nonetheless news to me. Walt Disney had several apartments built into his parks. There's one above Cinderella's castle. There's one in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. They're all over the place. More than that, there are nightclubs, a movie theater, a bowling alley, and much more, all behind doors built right into the whimsical facades you pass by without a second look. Club 22 is one such hidden area. If you have the cash to join the exclusive club, you don't, then you have the access to it and much more. Apparently, the last person I know of famous that went to Club 22 had stayed in the Cinderella's castle as well, and that was Dakota Panic. That's how much fucking money you need to get into these places. They exist. You mean Dakota Fanning has a lot of money? As a child actress, fuck yeah. She made, she made bank. Her sister's better! Totally. <clears throat> Club 22 is a place where anything goes. Disney Company calls these places dark zones. Spots where the squeaky clean visage of Mickey Mouse goes away to drinking drugs and yes, sex. That is not true. <laughs> Conversely, the rest of the park is the bright zone with a few gray zone utilidors between. 
As far as janitors said, it wasn't always that way. It was more of a slow decline and the gradual relaxation of social norms within that elite group. The reason he knows of all of this, you may have already guessed it. He's cleaned it. A lot of jizz. A lot of shit. A lot of hookers. Dead hookers. Okay. After a lengthy background check and a non-disclosure form, Janitor moved up from a park attendant to one of the Dark Zone cleaning crew. That's a, that's a step up. Now, before, salary. <laughs> now, before you get some satanic human sacrifice vision in your head, Janitor saw nothing of the sort. Lots of empty alcohol bottles, yes. Used condoms scattered like deflated New Year's balloons, oh yeah. He cleaned up his share of blood, piss, and vomit, but it was all down to the unrestricted behavior of patrons as opposed to any sort of cult behavior. At least that's how he sees it in retrospect. All that trash, that profane shit, went into a furnace and mingled with the smoke of a quaint cottage chimney. If you've been to Disney World, you've breathed ultra-condensed sin. Fucking nice! Backing up this information was Hammer. Hammer mailed me the old-fashioned way, though I don't know how he got my home address. He sent me photocopies of work papers proving his employment with the instruction to burn them when I was convinced, which I did gladly. Hammer worked around the Disney World Park doing demolition and construction. At one point, he approached a superior regarding some strange construction plans. There was a wide, rectangular area marked off on the blueprints about the size of a supermarket. The area was left unnamed and only bore the words, Do Not Dig. Not only was his superior in the dark, but he was super fucking purposefully in the dark. He didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to know about it, and ended the conversation with this space intentionally left blank. Makes me think of, like, Cube. Yeah. You know? I want to go back to the... I want to go back to Lulu. I want to go back to Splash Mountain. (laughs) Hammer didn't get it. The area seemed a waste of space, and it was directly conflicting with the work his team had been given. He started poking around the area on his off time, finding only a derelict steel door and a great span of concrete just beyond. It was a supermarket's worth of blank gray floor. Soon after, Hammer started picking gas gots out of the crowds. Unlike all those reports, the people, the things, would stand in full view of the guy. They'd cluster together in the distance, or they'd just be pressed against a wall when he turned a corner. He said they moved weird, like they were weak or injured, like a deer that's been run down by a hunter and can't flee anymore. The gas masks, the Disney character faces with filters jammed in. He noted that they seemed wet on the inside, like condensation on a car window. Tiny beads of water glimmered behind the glass, making it impossible for any of them to actually see. Probing further, Hammer started asking questions of anyone or everyone who had been working in the park for a decade or more. He hit dead ends throughout, until he was directed to Ida, an elderly woman who worked in a restaurant on Main Street. She'd been there since way back, and though nobody had the balls to ask directly, everyone knew she had plenty of terrible stories to tell. Hammer asked about the empty space, then about the gas-masked customers, and at first he thought he would receive the same non-answers he'd gotten so far. She was quiet. Eerily quiet. Room zero. She croaked, a single shaking hand placed to her cheek as if she were a little girl fearing a father's punishment. She didn't meet the man's gaze for the entire conversation. Room zero, as it turned out, was yet another hidden room, just like the apartments in Club 22. However, its sheer size and its spot deep beneath the park set it apart from any of the fun dark zones. 
It was a bomb shelter. Room Zero was built to withstand a massive attack, be it conducted by foreign or domestic enemies. Room Zero was to be stocked with enough rations to feed the entire park's average number of patrons at any given moment, and housed a smaller yet lavish panic room for sorts of Disney higher-ups. During World War II, official Disney gas masks were actually produced for children to wear in the event of an attack. The idea was that it would be less scary for the kids if Mickey's face was emblazoned on the wartime safety device. Yes, I know the obvious problems with that. During the Cold War scare of the 60s, when Disney World was constructed, Room Zero was stocked with similar masks as well. Whether they cared about the fears of children or just callous branding, the things found their way down there. What's more, some genius decided the kids would then be frightened by the gas masks their parents wore, and so all masks, adult and child, were made to comply to this insane standard. Ida described it as treating a wound with lemon juice. Treating a wound with lemon juice, child? Why is she from the south? I'm Ida. (laughs) I used to work in the docks. She's black and she's southern. I love her. Oh, make me some chicken. None of this explained what Hammer has been. <laughs> None of this explained what Hammer has been seeing, though. Not only the seemingly supernatural appearances, but the emptied-out room as well. I've been in there, he explained. There's nothing but a cement floor and four walls. No. Ida shook her head and covered her mouth, stifling a sob. You've been on top of it. Sounds so sassy now. Someone or something sounded the alarm one day, when the park was at full capacity. The warning was clear. It was supposedly an air attack. Security ushered everyone down, down, down into the tremendous shelter. There, they were ordered to put on their masks and hunker down for the duration of the assault. Everything was quiet for about 30 minutes, save for the crying children and frightened whispers. No one wanted to die, and so they were thankful in a way for this strange measure of safety. Then, the first scream rang out. A man shouted, QUIT PINCHING! Waves of shrieks and yelps riddled through the crowd, from one wall to the other, back and forth. WHO'S RUNNING AROUND? SETTLE DOWN! Someone hollered, WHO'S LAUGHING? THIS ISN'T FUNNY! OW! WHO STEPPED ON MY FOOT? Despite security guards urging to calm down and keep their cool, the crowd became more and more agitated until finally, after nearly an hour of madness, the lights flickered. Nosferatu. (laughs) Then died. What followed could only be described as utter chaos. In the dark, only the wails of the young and anguished quiet. Quies. Anguished quies. Anguished quies. <laughs> anguished cries of adults could be heard in a massive swelling din that bloodied the ears of all within the black echo chamber. A group of staff members and a select few patrons made it out of the door, ready to face the war above rather than insanity below. What they found, of course, was a desolate yet untouched theme park. The music continued to play, echoing through silent storybook towns. Upon returning to Room Zero, the few who stood at the top of the steel staircase that led down into the pitch blackness heard no sign of the previous fray. There was only silence. Ida herself descended that staircase despite the begging of those she left above. She reached the reinforced doors, herself now awash in darkness and hearing only the buzzing in her ears. A single voice came out of the darkness. The echo made it impossible to to tell whether the mocking, raspy voice was at the back of the bomb shelter or if it was right in front of her face. Shut the door, dear. You're letting out the cold. 
ripped by terror. She did just that. Within days, the entire thing. Yeah, she's, okay. <laughs> okay. Just slams the door, fucking lease. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Gripped by terror, she did just that. Within days, the entire thing, shelter, staircase, all of it, was covered with feet upon feet of cement. Air systems and generators above its ceiling were removed, creating the large, empty space. They're all still down there. Ida told Hammer. Down there with whoever that was. You might notice I've used Ida's name. Unfortunately, she passed away soon after telling her story. Accident fall, supposedly, after getting out of the bed to turn on a light. Such a company devotee, the paper reported, that her entire bedroom was covered with Mickey silhouettes. That's that's creepy. That was a, I like that. It's not as good as the first. It's almost one. like they took the search and rescue stories and basically said, like, let's fuck with this concept. The one problem I have is, um, now this was Disneyland they were talking about. No, Disney World. Disney- this was this was very clearly Disney World. I mean, See, it's that's, it's that's up, what I thought too. Up for but- no, he mentions world. He never mentions land. He only very clearly mentions world because oh, okay. world is the one with Club Twenty Two and Cinderella's okay, Castle. Okay. So, that's a huge fucking park. Mm-hmm. You're telling me all those people fucking disappeared and no one was just like, oh, no, where, 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 where did Joe go? Where did fucking Joe go? He went to I Disney can tell you right now that there is no bomb shelter underneath any of the Disney parks. Yeah, Beca- there is. No, no, no. Yeah, there is. No, 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 no. Yeah. Be- because... They filled it with cement. Those underground tunnels pre-exist as bomb shelters they are practically two stories beneath ground that level true. yeah, yeah you're they right. are you're meant right. to exist within a system down there so that you wondering. could get from epcot the transportation center to magic kingdom down there i was i was, I was there I is was, a i was in those tunnels i'm just saying dude just know. knowing that gives a kind of credence yeah to the to the room zero theory the gas mask thing, however, is complete bullshit. Disney shuts that shit down when people slap uh, designs of theirs well, on on things. Well, didn't you see the uh, there? There's a picture floating around of like of kids' gas masks that look like like comedic. They look cartoonish. So I think no, I really, do, I do remember seeing those, but they were not di- Dis- they were not Disney company. No, they, I'm they just couldn't saying that th- those things did exist. Just not no, no, no. Kids, kids, gas masks totally fucking existed, and I, and I and I definitely want to think that there's a company out there that would have designed them. You know, um, totally. It was a scary time. N- ex- yeah, fucking terrifying. But uh, good shit. Those, that, that was good. Good shit, bro. Good shit. Good shit. Okay, so our next story is uh, what got me into creepypasta. Exactly. What got me into uh, the whole the whole kitten horror. caboodle, and it's a uh, Squidward suicide, and this is of course on Creepypasta. It's a it's an older one. I've never done this one. No, no. it's gonna be your first time reading Squidward suicide. Yeah. Oh, see, Squidward suicide's great. Okay, here we go. We're getting we're getting into this. I want to start off. We're not getting into this because I messed it up already. I want to start off by saying if you want an answer at the end, prepare to be disappointed. There just isn't one. I was an intern at Nickelodeon Studios for a year in 2005 for my degree in animation. I know for a fact that all of the green slime is just cum. 
Oh yeah. They've 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 can't they've said that in a press con- conference before. Nickelodeon. That the CEO of Nickelodeon is just like, oh yeah, it's just my jizz. Just oh my god, dude, because I I make so much money with these children. And he and he likes he likes uh, when the children open up their mouths and get his cum inside their. Get mouth. that get that slime girl. It's like fucking bastard. Get that slime on. Slime time live. <laughs> he, he, he could be a sow. Don't be a sow. No one wants to be a sow. Don't be a sow. It wasn't paid, of course. Most internships aren't. But it did have some perks beyond education. To adults, it might not seem like a big one. But most kids at the time would shit themselves over it. I know I would. Shit. Fucking working at Disney? Or, yeah, working at Nickelodeon? Or I Disney. Yeah. Nickelodeon was the shit in 2005. Look on the... okay. Since I worked directly with the editors and animators, I got to view the new episodes days before they aired. I'll get right to it without giving too many unnecessary details. They had very recently made the Spongebob movie, and the entire staff was somewhat sapped of creativity so it took them longer to start up the season. But the delay lasted longer for more upsetting reasons. There was a problem with the Series 4 premiere that set everyone and everything back for several months. Me and two other interns were in the editing room, along with the lead animators and sound editors for the final cut. We received the copy that was supposed to be Fear of Krabby Patty and gathered around the screen to watch. Now given that it isn't final yet, animators often put up a mock title card, so if an inside joke for us, with phony, oftentimes lewd titles, such as How Sex Doesn't Work, instead of Rockabye Bivalve. When Spongebob and Patrick adopt a sea scallop, nothing particularly Funny, but work-related chuckles. You get it, right? How sex doesn't work, and then it was the episode about how Patrick... Oh, okay, okay. Okay, I didn't... Okay. So when we saw the title card, Squidward Suicide, we didn't think it more than a morbid joke. One of the interns did a small throat laugh at it. The happy-go-lucky music plays as is normal. The story began with Squidward practicing his clarinet, hitting a few sour notes like normal. We hear Spongebob laughing outside, and Squidward stops yelling at him to keep it down as he has a concert that night and needs to practice. Spongebob says okay and goes to see Sandy with Patrick. The bubble splash screen comes up and we see the ending of Squidward's concert. This is when things began to seem off. While playing, a few frames repeat themselves, but the sound doesn't. At this point, sound is synced up with the animation, so yes, that's not common. But when he stops playing, the sound finishes as if the skip never happened. There is slight murmuring in the crowd before they begin to boo him. Not normal cartoon booing that is common in the show, but you could very clearly hear malice in it. Squidward's in full Squidward's in full frame and looks visibly afraid. The shot goes to the crowd, with SpongeBob in center frame, and he too is booing. Very much unlike him. This isn't the oddest thing though. What is odd is everyone had hyper-realistic eyes. Very detailed. Clearly not shots of real people's eyes, but something a bit more real than CGI. The pupils were red, some of us looked at each other, obviously confused, but since we weren't the writers, we didn't question its appeal to children, yet. The shot goes to Squidward sitting on the edge of his bed, looking very forlorn. The view out of his porthole window is out of a night sky, so it isn't very long after the concert. The unsettling part is at the point there is no sound, literally no sound, not even the feedback from the speakers in the room. It's as if the speakers were turned off, though their status showed them working perfectly. He just sat there, blinking, in the silence for about 30 seconds. Then he started to sob softly. He put his hands, tentacles, over his eyes and cried quietly for a full minute or more, all the while a sound in the background very slowly growing from nothing to barely audible. It sounded like a slight breeze through a forest. 
The screen slowly began to zoom in on his face. By slow, I mean it's only noticeable if you look at shots ten seconds apart side by side. His sobbing gets louder, more full of hurt and anger. The screen then twitches a bit, as if it twists in on itself for a split second when back to normal. The wind through the trees sound gets slowly louder and more severe, as if a storm is brewing somewhere. The eerie part is this sound, and Squidward's sobbing sounded real, as if the sound wasn't coming from the speakers, but as, as if the speakers were holes the sound was coming through from the other side. As good as sound as the studio likes to have, they don't purchase the equipment to be that good to produce sound of that quality. Below the sound of the wind and sobbing, very faint, something sounded like laughing. It came at odd intervals and never lasted more than a second, so you had a hard time pinning it. Watched the show twice, so pardon me if things sound too specific, but I've had time to think about them. After 30 seconds of this, the screen blurred and twitched violently and something flashed over the screen as if a single frame was replaced. Lead animation editor paused and rewound frame by frame. What we saw was horrible. It was a still photo of a dead child. He couldn't have been more than six. The face was mangled and bloodied, one eye dangling over his upturned face. He was naked, down to his underwear, his stomach crudely cut open and his entrails lying beside him. He was laying on some pavement that was probably a road. The most upsetting part was that there was a shadow of the photographer. There was no crime tape, no evidence tags or markers, and the angle was completely off for a shot designed to be evidence. It would seem the photographer was the person responsible for the child's death. We were of course mortified, but pressed on, hoping that it was just a sick joke. The screen flipped back to Squidward still sobbing louder than before in half body and frame. There was now what appeared to be blood running down his face from his eyes. The blood was also done in hyper-realistic style, looking as if you've touched it, you'd get blood on your fingers. The wind sounded now as if it were that of a gale blowing through the forest. There were even snapping sounds of branches, the laughing a deep baritone lasting at long intervals and coming more frequently. After about 20 seconds, the screen again twisted and showed a single frame photo. I also want to note that there's a troll pasta called Hyperrealistic, and now I know why that's funny. Because this is a very popular creepypasta. Oh, yeah. And they noticed that two times is too many to say that, and they're probably going to say it a third time. <laughs> so, hyper, I, I think I'm saving that story for Mr. Skellybones, but um, it's going to be funnier now. The editor was reluctant to go back, we, we all were, but he knew he had to. This time the photo was that of what appeared to be a little girl no older than the first child. She was laying on her stomach, her barrettes in a pool of blood next to her. Her left eye was too popped out and popped naked except for underpants. Her entrails were piled on top of her from above another crude cut along her back. Again, the body was on the street, and the photographer's shadow is visible, very similar in size and shape to the first. I had to choke back vomit. One intern, the only female in the room, ran out. The show resumed. After five seconds, uh, about five seconds after this second photo played, Squidward went silent, as did all sound, like it was when this scene started. 
He put his tentacles down, and his eyes were now done in hyper-realism like the others were in the beginning of the episode, ding ding ding. They were bleeding, bloodshot, and pulsating. He just stared at the screen as if watching the viewer. After about ten seconds, he started sobbing, this time not covering his eyes. The sound was piercing and loud, and most fear-inducing of all is his sobbing was mis mixed with screams. Tears and blood were dripping down his face at a heavy rate. The wind sound came back, and so did the deep vo voice laughing. And this time, the still photo lasted for a good five frames. The animator was able to stop it on the fourth and backed up. This time, the photo was of a boy, about the same age, but this time the scene was different. The entrails were just being pulled out from a stomach wound by a large hand. The right eye popped and dangling, blood trickling down it. The animator proceeded. It was hard to believe, but the next one was different, but we couldn't tell what. He went on to the next, same thing. He went back to the first and played them quicker and I lost it. I vomited on the floor. The animator, the animating and sound editors gasping at the screen. The five frames were not as if they were five different photos. They were played out a they were played out as if they were frames from a video. We saw the hand slowly lift out the guts. We saw the kid's eye focus on it. We even saw two frames of the kid beginning to blink. The lead sound editor told us to stop. He had to call in the creator to see this. Mr. Hillenberg arrived within about 15 minutes. He was confused as to why he was called down there, so the editors continued the episode. Once a few frames were shown, all screaming, all sound again stopped. Squidward was just staring at the viewer, full frame of the face, for about three seconds. The shot quickly panned out with a deep voice said, DO IT! And we see in Squidward's hands a shotgun. He immediately puts the gun in his mouth and pulls the trigger. Realistic blood and hyper-realistic blood. All right, it just says realistic blood, but okay, if you want to you believe it. You know it was hyper-realistic. Hyper-realistic <laughs> blood and brain matter splatters the wall behind him and his bed, and he flies back with the force. The last five seconds of this episode show his body on the bed, on his side, one eye dangling on what's left of the head above the floor, staring blankly at it. Then the episode ends. Mr. Hillenberg is obviously angry at this. He demanded to know what the hell was going on. Most people left the room at this point, so it was just a handful of us to watch it again. Viewing the episode twice only served to imprint the entirety of it in my mind and caused me horrible nightmares. I'm sorry I stayed. The only theory we could think of was that the file was edited by someone in the chain from the drawing studio to here. The CTO was called in to analyze what happened. The analysis of the file did show it was edited over by new material. However, the timestamp of it was mere 24 seconds before we began viewing it. All equipment involved was examined for foreign software and hardware as well as glitches, as if the timestamp may have glitched and showed the wrong time, but everything checked out fine. We don't know what happened, and to this day, nobody does. There was an investigation due to the nature of the photos, but nothing came of it. No child was seen identified, and no clues were gathered from the data involved nor physical clues in the photos. I never believed in unexplainable phenomena before. But now that I have something happen and can't prove anything about it beyond anecdotal evidence, I think twice about things. In most YouTube videos on the subject, this is the account used. It is allegedly the true and original account of the episode, although it has not yet been proven. Need needless to say, it will most likely change your entire outlook on SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, I'm not watching that. Dude, we should watch it right now. I'm not fucking watching We that. should watch it right now. I'm not watching Let's watch it. Don't, we have to watch don't, it. I'm going to cut this entire conversation. The earlier you accept that I'm not going to fucking watch it, the more we can move on. With the You're episode. not going to see the dead kids. It's just Squidward blowing his brains out.
That's all it is. It's not that bad. That sounds hilarious. So <laughs> this one's called uh, Jimmy Neutron Happy Family Hour Lost Episode. It's a troll pasta. Can't tell from my voice. My cousin worked as an intern for Nickelodeon in 2005. He gave me a DVD of Jimmy Neutron. I got home and I later on I put in the DVD into my Xbox. I play this episode and the title card was Jimmy Neutron Happy Family Hour. I thought this was a new on air special hour episode. I was wrong. It played, and in the beginning was the most disturbing part. It showed the house of Jimmy Neutron. It went in as just the music, then no sound. I show- It showed Hugh with a gun and killed the mom. And the audio was back. He said, Jimmy, your mom is dead. Do an order of pizza for the dinner. Jimmy said, okay, daddy. Was, sound like Jimmy Neutron. I, I tried my best, okay. I was very creeped out. Then, there was no audio again. Jimmy was on the phone and talking. I was guessing it was for the pizza. Then Hugh comes up to Jimmy and says, Now it's time for father-son bonding. Then the screen had a red screen effect and Hugh said, Bond with me, Jimmy! In a deep voice. Then they were on the sofa watching TV. (laughs) It was weird with Hugh had a gun pointing at Jimmy. I got sick. The doorbell rang. And the pizza went berserk. Jimmy said, The pizza is aggressive! The pizza chopped off Hugh's head. Then Jimmy said, Just another day in the life of Jimmy Neutron. Then the episode ended. I took out the DV and smashed it in little bits. I had a few nightmares and could not go to sleep. A person made what was on the DVD animated, but he dreamed a few things for it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you could find Jimmy Neutron Happy Family Hour Lost episode uh, at Gary's Mod video on YouTube. Oh Jesus Christ! I thought I that only familiar. I only imagine it to be a wonderful and engaging experience. Okay, so I'm reading a, a two page or a two troll pasta, and I feel like it's very relevant in my life because uh, I don't go outside that often, especially because it's winter time and I watch too much fucking anime and I don't have a fucking life, but. This is the day my dad kicked me out of the house and I was forced to go outside for more than five minutes and it was horrible. On a very sunny June afternoon, I was sitting in my house watching a bunch of hentai. Oh my God, it's me. Holy shit. Don't admit to that. (laughs) Deny it. (laughs) Oh no, that's not me. Not fucking at all. Disco Dracula over here. (laughs) I was sitting in my house watching a bunch of hentai when my dad comes in and starts yelling at me for some reason. He said that I'm a lazy piece of shit who needs to get outside for more than two minutes at a time and that he wishes his son was athletic and not a retarded weeaboo who jacks off the- I can't! It's me! (laughs) 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 That he wishes his son was athletic and not a retarded weeaboo- (laughs) And not a retarded weeaboo who jacks off the anime girls even though he's just a fat piece of shit that gets welfare and masturbates all day the fat ass still told me to go outside even though it's 97% positive that he hasn't been outside for more than 10 minutes at a time his entire life holy shit that was a lot of like pent up anger and frustration in you fucking (laughs) (laughs) he kicked me out of the house and said to go get a job and do something productive otherwise he would throw out my computer and all my 69 body pillows I don't own any of those fucking liar I don't (laughs) 
I couldn't get back in, so I decided to go and do some other stuff for a while. Well, that's usually what you do when you can't fucking get back inside your house. You just, eh, we'll go do something else for a while. I'll sit out under this tree and read fucking manga. Because I'm a fucking weeb. The first thing that I thought I could do is to go over to a friend's house. Then I remembered that all my friends were just some dating sims that I had bought on Steam. I did have one friend, though. I remembered, and that was Theo. By the way, that retarded weeaboo that was typing this retarded creepypasta left, and now I'm taking over to make it just as retarded. Theo was a fat looking piece of shit that was brown from the hyper-realistic sun that made him brown colored. He yelled at me to say hello, but I was hiding in the tree to avoid my biggest enemy in life, the sun. He was the biggest asshole ever since my science teacher always was making us watch Bill Nye videos. Theo loved Bill Nye and got raped by him, but was mad at him for a little while because Bill Nye was using a fake dick. So I didn't know why I was friends with Theo. The only thing we had in common was doing the Limp Biscuit challenge and watching hentai together and jerking each other off sometimes. It's back to that deep shit. <laughs> it's back to the deep shit weeaboo riding it. I was probably probably friends with him because otherwise I would just be a piece of shit weeaboo who owned 69 body pillows and got outside two minutes a year. I might be a weeaboo white trash, but at least I have a dick that's bigger than my dad's, which, by the way, isn't an accomplishment because his dick, when hard, is a half centimeter. Like Beverly's. I was hiding in the trees to hide myself from the sun, and all of my relatives that see me outside might say some stupid shit like, Hey, Tommy, do you know what to go- Holy shit, what did I just do there? Hey, Tommy, man, do you wanna go fishing, man? <laughs> Why is he Jamaican? That was you. <laughs> hey, Tommy, do you want to go fishing with us, man? Eventually, though, some douchebag chucked a rock at me, and I fell out of the trees and had to be out in the sun. I was about to die because I hadn't been out in the sun that long in my entire life, and I felt like pulling a Cobain, but I didn't have a shotgun at hand. Turns out that person was no other than Mitt Romney. He beat me with a 72-inch dick, and it was worse than the time that my dad beat me with the belt. It was worse than the time I only got to jack off ten times in one day. Then a skeleton popped out! <laughs> yes! So, I just want to say... That so, so, in the middle of that story was the dad taking over the story, right? <laughs> yeah, I believe so. And then fucking the, the fucking weeaboo comes back. Me. That was Me. great. I don't own any of those pillows. I own, I own a female figure, and it is N Nico, because she is best girl. And I also own a fucking um, Hatsune Miku mouse pad <clears throat> that her boobs are out. You want to know why? Because it was a gift from fucking Anthony. Name drop, fucking Anthony bought me I don't me think that. he listens to these. You should send these to him. I feel like he would listen to it. Probably. He would fucking love it. He would lose his shit. You need to do it, though. He doesn't like me as much. Nah, that's true. All right, I'm going to sure? do... I'm, this is a short one, so uh, I'm going to read... I'm going to do this one, and I'll hop back into the other one. Last two <clears throat> troll passes. This one's called The Suicide Channel. I was digging through my attic until I found an SD card that instead of having a label, it had a small piece of tape that said Wii Games written in marker. So I put it in my Wii and explored it. I almost noticed all of them except for one named Suicide Channel. I left the SD channel and checked the data management in Wii settings and noticed that the channel took 666 blocks so I decided to start the channel. And this is where it got weird. The channel title was written in blood, and instead of saying start, it said, leave now and die. And so I decided to press die. <laughs> like me. Like any of us would. We'd be like, alright, we want to leave. If it were that simple, then yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, no cleanup. But boom, just off. Just no an pain. off button. 
nothing. You just you click die and you're dead. You're just dead. We sound really bad right now. All right, and then I'm going to end this episode with another short one called Fuck You, Charlie Brown. <laughs> Fuck You, Charlie Brown is the title of a long-lost, never-aired Peanuts special. Written by Schultz on his deathbed, Fuck You, Charlie Brown follows the Peanuts gang of millennial misfits as they graduate from college and strike out into the real world of careers, relationships, and financial independence in the grim shadow of the Great Recession. You know how you always sort of vaguely thought that Charlie Brown uh, having the football moved out from beneath him was some sort of dark metaphor for the disappointment of adult life? You're goddamn right it is. Watch the whole gang have their naive assumptions about our just and fair world torn to shreds in front of them and have them shoved straight up their ass by a cruel, uncaring, random world ruled by greed, money, lies, and desperation. Schroeder busks outside of Union Station on his little piano trying to make enough for just a little bit of H, that good old heroin, just a skin pop to get him through the day. Peppermint Patty joins the Occupy movement and has ha- and has her idealism shattered, pepper sprayed, and handcuffed inside of a police truck by Bloomsburg's Boys in Blue. Lucy finds out that confidence and a take-charge attitude will get you far, but not quite far enough, as she bounces from job to temporary job, contingent job. Charlie Brown's untreated depression, compounded by his lack of health insurance, makes him basically unemployable, and Snoopy, well, Snoopy got let out of the house by the movers after the bank foreclosed on Charlie's parents' house, and that was pretty much the last we heard of him. Wow, so, um... Fuck you, Charlie yeah, Brown! fuck you, Charlie Brown! That is, that is right. I like that even the troll pastas that we fell on today kind of dealt with, like... Squidward suicide and like the idea of a lost episodes, yeah. which I have a lot more of. So this was lots of pasta with uh, Captain Death and Disco Dracula. Do 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 do. We're out. I decide when we're out. We're fucking out, dude. Now we are. Yeah. And I like the tree Smoke so much weed She whipping the lead And I get more ass Than a toilet seat Three to the one From the one to the three I met a bad bitch Last night in the deep